think it's not desirable to put all of your eggs in one basket, as they say, because I don't think that one person should necessarily be everything for you. And I think the kind of relationships that we tend to romanticize, we will go through life and find one person and that person will be everything. And so those are the relationships that you need to invest in. And I don't think that that's true. So like my mom wasn't even like, a part of it, my dad wasn't necessarily a part of it other than he worked at the same place as where it happened. And my mom always wonders like if her relationship, like years and years, with this person she considered her best friend is only worth a car not being fixed properly. Hello everyone. Welcome back to Coming In Without Context. I am joined by Aaron Lowe today. Aaron, how are you? I'm doing all right. I'm excited. Uh, we have Hope in the wings, and she'll join us a bit later. But uh, Aaron, my topic for us today is when does a relationship end? Oh, oh boy. I don't mean <laughs> just romantic relationships. I'm talking about relationships in general. Oh, that's really interesting. I like this question. So uh, to start off, what what is a relationship, Aaron? Oh, man. See, you're going Socratic style, and that means that I have to do a lot of work here. Yes, correct. (laughs) (laughs) What is a relationship? So, okay, you might not like this, but I can't do anything except get philosophical because you know me. And I've been reading a lot about care ethics because I'm doing an independent study on care ethics next semester. And I've been thinking a lot about our relationships to other people, but also like what is the individual. And right now I'm of the opinion that we exist enmeshed within society. So we are identifiable by our relationships to other people. It's as though we are like one nexus that is the connector to all of these relationships. Mm -hmm. Like a spider web. Yeah. So that's kind of how I perceive relationships. What about you? I feel like relationships are just our connections to people, right? And that's why I have posed this as a topic, because I feel like it's so broad how you can define it and what constitutes a relationship. Mm-hmm. And then it's also very vague how or when a relationship ends, if it ever does end. Well, so for the purposes of this, I googled the definition of relationship and it, the <laughs> the results were lackluster. Uh, the best one is was the one that just pops up on Google, and it was the way in which two or more concepts, objects, or people are connected, or the state of being connected. What do you think about that definition? <laughs> I like it, but I think it's missing something. Yeah. Because I think that part of being in a relationship is, it's not a passive thing, right? It's an active thing. And I think that the intentionality is a really important piece of constituting a relationship right yeah so i mean i wasn't very satisfied with this Merriam webster and collins dictionary went more narrow with it in defining relationships only like romantically or familially Hmm. which i feel like doesn't you know doesn't really cover a whole lot of ground well i guess the next question is uh do you think relationships can end and then if so how and when do they end It is a good question. I think my initial thoughts on that are that I guess I think we need 
more of, I guess, a spectrum of understanding what a relationship is. Mm-hmm. Because I think that there are definitely certain aspects of a relationship that can end in that our active interaction with a person ends. And right. I think that's a type of relationship, right? Maybe that's the active component, but the influence of that relationship continues to persist. And so I don't know if that influence is a consequence of a relationship or if it's part of what constitutes the relationship itself. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I didn't even consider that because, well, actually, my next question was, does death automatically end relationship? But based on what you're saying, it seems like there's an active part and then that could end either due to like the person leaving or growing apart or death. But then there's still a passive part of the relationship that continues and persists as long as you're being influenced by it. Yeah, maybe. And I think part of it too, though, is not just the the persisting influence. I mean, I, I do think that that's part of it, but I wonder if the more significant part in terms of, if, if we're thinking about this in terms of the active and the passive parts, if there's any moment at which you are influenced by a relationship, do you think that that fundamentally changes you as a self moving forward? So even if the influence isn't ongoing, if it influenced you at a particular moment, does that count? I would say yes, but I'm reluctant to attribute that just solely to relationships because I feel like we're always changing as people every moment of our lives, right? So mm-hmm. like it's hard to it's hard to say, oh, this relationship is the reason that I am the way I am and I change this particular way and I've become some something else or someone else. So I don't but know. Couldn't you, couldn't well, like you I, say, I could yeah, say the sorry. same thing about like, oh, I fell down the stairs and that changed me. <laughs> right. But like, aren't you in that case in a relationship with the stairs in the sense that the stairs are the cause? Interesting. Okay. I mean... Not what I had in mind when I started this, but yeah, yeah, I guess, I guess that's a relationship. I mean, I think if you're framing it in the way that we started talking about in terms of like you are a, a sen- the center of the spider web and every point in the spider web is a point with which you are in or share some sort of relationship. I don't know why we would necessarily limit that to other persons. Is there something about a relationship that has to be mutual or reciprocal i think yes and i so i'm going to push back on your previous point because i feel like as you mentioned relationships need to be a two-way street right so there needs to be some give some take and then like a balance of back and forth i feel like your relationships although they can be sentimental or emotional in regards to objects or inanimate things it's not to the same degree as with other people or with plants or animals actually no plants kind of fits on the object side of that spectrum so i guess animals and other people okay yeah go ahead so my question for you then though is (laughs) sorry to take you down this road but what happens when it comes to people who can't reciprocate Mm. so like if you're in a caretaker relationship with someone 
and you are responsible for their well-being somehow or you know like along the kinds of lines that I'm thinking but where the recipient of that affection or the actions that you're taking I mean would you still see that person as in a relationship with the other person even though the recipient of whatever that action is can't reciprocate (laughs) this is classic philosophical discussion (laughs) I'm willing to bite the bullet for that But I guess one defense I will attempt is that since relationships with people are historical or like there's always a past, present and future to relationships, right? Mm -hmm. So in regards to a specific example of you being a caretaker to someone who can no longer reciprocate uh, emotions or like, you know, fulfill the two-way street of a relationship. I would say that you still have that historical past of your relationship. I can't can't think of another word besides relationship. (laughs) Your relation to them. There's there's a historical past to your relation to them that still justifies the relationship. But but wait, wait, let me hold on, hold on. I if let's say you never had a historical past, I would say not a relationship. I would say that like maybe like in in a very broad sense of the word, I would allow its use to be called a relationship, but as a using a stricter definition, I would I would not say it is the same degree of relationship as like people um, like immediately think of when you use that word. This feels like a hot take. I don't I don't know if it is. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm willing to to bite a lot of bullets since taking philosophy as a major. Yeah, for those of you who don't know, Dylan and I take philosophy together. <laughs> yeah, I think you anticipated my question there, which was, you know, what if you don't have a history with this person in the sense that you had a reciprocal relationship in the past? Mm-hmm. So I guess if your claim then, let's go down that road. If your claim is that reciprocity is a necessary component of being in a relationship, we're pretty limited in what we can see as relationships. Yes. So do you think that there are other necessary qualities that relationships have? Absolutely. Um, And I think, you know, I've kind of dug myself into a corner with how we started this, but I do want to backtrack and say that I do think relationships can be qualified by a lot more characteristics and elements, I guess. Um, Because I I think about how you can also have parasocial relationships, like Mm -hmm. with people you've never met, like celebrities or internet people. And, you know, people will feel like they have a real connection to the, the persona that's being shown to them. But that's not an actual person to person relationship, but we still call it. a a relationship in like a a shallower sense I guess and I don't think that's the same where like it's almost a one-sided history right but it's not like a two-way street but we still we're still willing to call that a relationship so I think there are many elements that can go into how we define and how we recognize the the term I don't know why in this moment I'm very preoccupied with visualizing this 
Yeah. In terms of like, we started talking about the spider web that of relationships that creates the self or, I mean, even thinking about it like a spectrum, if we thought of reciprocal relationships as the center of the spectrum, maybe other types of relationships that aren't reciprocal would extend on either side. So they're still somewhat relationship-esque. But this is why I wish we had more expansive, but also specific language to talk about relationships. Right. Well, like speaking on that then, one of the questions I had for you is how would you rank different levels or different degrees of relationships? Because obviously there's um, different levels in which you confide or trust the people in your life, right? There's family, then there's friends, but then you, you also have more professional relationships with your coworkers, your boss, your parents. Um, so I guess for you personally, Aaron, how, <laughs> how does your ranking system work for the relationships in your life? That is an excellent question. And I hate that I have to answer it, but I appreciate you. I think when I'm thinking about the relationships that are most important to me in my life, I think about the people with whom I share the most intimacy and vulnerability. And I guess I'm not sure why that feels so much more substantive than some of the other relationships in my life. But I mean, the friendships that I consider to be the best and the closest are the ones with whom there is that vulnerability. And maybe it's because the distance that we have in most relationships, like professional distance, is so important in a professional context. But I do think it bars us from creating some of those more meaningful connections that I think are a crucial part of the human experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's almost taboo in a sense to have more intimate connections with coworkers or your boss in a professional setting. Well, obviously we don't want that. <laughs> but I guess what I mean is just even just general vulnerability, I think is often hard to find. But I also think when you brought up parasocial relationships, part of the reason that we have those is because we see instances of vulnerability in people like celebrities. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really interesting because then again, we get into this area of one party forming that kind of relationship and the other party not reciprocating. But that's why I'm not sure how to conceive of relationships. And I'm not sure I agree with you in terms of the whole reciprocity, because I think that the best relationships are ones that are reciprocal. But I think that the ones that aren't are still relationships in a certain way. I don't know. I would agree with that. I mean, like I was saying earlier, I, I am willing to backtrack on the, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not all in on the reciprocity thing. I, I do recognize that relationships exist even without the give and take, or it could be an uneven give and take. But I guess speaking more on that, are there any qualities and i know you've mentioned a few already <laughs> but are there any qualities that are really important to you in defining a healthy relationship versus an unhealthy relationship yeah and i think i mean again something i've been thinking a lot about recently is care mm -hmm. and you know i'm still learning a lot about what that means in the context of social relationships because 
you know, a lot of people say that that has to be reciprocal too. So I think that that kind of idea is really important. But I also think a mutual respect Mm. is also very high ranking for me when it comes to quality relationships. I don't think you can have, maybe you can have one-sided vulnerability or intimacy in relationships where there isn't respect, but I guess I wouldn't necessarily consider that to be a quality relationship because I think that all parties involved need to have that sort of respect for other persons and acknowledgement that the people with whom they're interacting are distinct and simultaneously, well, they're distinct, they're also connected to you. But I don't know, I almost want to prioritize that distinction. Mm -hmm. And yet I don't. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that kind of goes back to what we're talking about with the professional circumstances, like in hierarchical situations, where there's supposed to be a clear uh, powers, like a, I don't, I'm reluctant to use the word power, but like power difference. Mm-hmm. Um, or status difference that seems to already negate the mutual respect because you know your job kind of requires that the respect is not equivalent or like equal. Right. I mean, which is why we obviously, in the context of romantic relationships and things like that, they're not in in my mind not possible in a circumstance like that because you can't foster an environment in which consent is freely given. Mm -hmm. And I think that that does go to exactly that point that you just made about levels of respect. And I think the kind of respect I'm talking about is, you know, mutual respect for human dignity and not respect for position of power. Yeah. Well, I want to go back to some of your points about what constitutes a relationship, because I'm wondering now if our interactions, our minimal contact with strangers, like just people, everyday people on the street that you see, do those count as relationships of a sort? Or do you feel like that doesn't meet the bar, whatever the bar might be? Hmm. Yeah, I wonder if a necessary component of a relationship is it being substantive in the sense that it has longevity. But then again, I, I don't think it's always necessary because I know that you can have really substantive relationships that don't last a lifetime, that may not even last multiple years or whatever duration of time you want to use. And I think that well, duration, longevity, whatever you want to call it, might contribute to the quality of a relationship. I don't think it's necessary. Hmm. What about you? I want to throw that to Hope first. Hope, do you have any, do you feel like relationships with strangers or people you don't know too well can be of a higher quality or importance than your established relationships with people you might interact with more often? Um, That's a difficult question to answer. My gut reaction is no. Just because I feel like you owe more to people you have established relationships with over people you don't know very well. Just like from my perspective, I feel like like you owe it to the people you have long established relationships with to like try and keep in touch or 
spend time together, like know their birthday, small things that I don't always know or do with people I have lo- like longer friendships with and stuff versus I wouldn't have those same expectations for someone that you have a shorter relationship with. But obviously there's like different expectations with that sort of thing. But that's not to say that like you can't end up valuing a shorter relationship more than a longer established one or that suddenly you'll start talking to someone a lot more or like knowing a lot more about someone you have a shorter relationship with than you have a longer term relationship with and so I feel like those sorts of things it's kind of fluid (laughs) and it just kind of depends on like what you're willing to give to people. Erin I don't know if I (laughs) if I really caught the essence of your question Oh, I have no idea what my question was, but I I get what Hope is saying. And I think it kind of goes to the idea of being fully known and fully loved, right? And so if you're in, if you interact with someone and they don't have the opportunity to know you and you don't have the opportunity to know them, then I think it sounds like what you're saying, Hope, and what I at least am understanding you to say is that that kind of relationship isn't going to be of the same quality of a longer lasting relationship because not only do you have these obligations to them that you wouldn't have to others, but these obligations come from your knowledge of them as a person, as this complex being that you wouldn't have to a generic stranger. Yeah, I think so. (laughs) That's said much, much better than I said it. (laughs) No, no. No, you're so good. I'm just, I'm trying to conceptualize it in a way that makes sense. Because my initial instinct was to say the opposite thing. Well, I want to throw out some questions to both of you, but hope you can start. Do you feel like best friends are more valuable than partners or like like romantic partners? Um. Well, I feel like that's hard to answer because that's definitely a very subjective person by person sort of thing. For me, who I would consider my best friend is also who is my romantic partner. So I don't really know how to answer that other than like, I like I feel like the ideal situation that people always talk about is that your romantic partner is also your best friend. So I feel like in those sorts of scenarios, people want a best friend the most. I don't know if it's more like they want their best friend to be the romantic partner or if they want, I don't know. Okay, Okay, wait, wait, let me, let me rephrase the question with more criteria. Okay. (laughs) You, okay. In this situation, let's assume that best friends and romantic partners are, are distinct. Okay. So they're two separate (laughs) either groups or individuals. And also it's a, I'm asking, I'm wondering if it's a, is it possible and is that the ideal? So I guess like to rephrase everything, is it ideal for you to have best friends that you feel closer with uh, compared to a romantic partner? Aaron, what are your thoughts? (laughs) Oh boy. Well, the thing is, so I'm inclined to agree with Hope that it's, it's hard because oftentimes your romantic partner does fit into that category of your best friend. But I think I won't go down that path because you don't want me to go down that path. <laughs> so I'm thinking about it in the sense of like, I have a number of best friends who I 
feel like are soulmates for me just because I know them and love them in such a, a deep, intimate way. And there's nothing romantic about my relationships with them. But my love for them is just as substantive as it has been for romantic partners in the past. And I think that I guess the, the only difference I really see is like the romantic component. And I don't think that that is sufficient enough to say that one of those types of relationship is substantially different from the other in terms of what is more valuable. I I kind of agree that like it's sort of a separate relationship but I guess what you're trying to hint at is like people who prioritize one over the other. I know there's some people once they get a romantic partner they stop upholding some of their relationship with their friends as much because now they're spending that time with their partner and I've had friends who have ended like friendships with their other friends because Mm -hmm. they felt like they weren't being prioritized as much anymore once that person entered a romantic partnership I've never personally done that I feel like I guess that's what you're hinting at I think you should be able to balance both I don't know if any romantic partner or friend made like some sort of ultimatum, like you have to choose me over the other side. I probably would cut off that relationship. Yeah. So I don't know what situation I'd have to choose, you know? Well, I also don't think it's desirable, right? To, again, for lack of a better phrase, I think it's not desirable to put all of your eggs in one basket, as they say. Because I don't think that one person should necessarily like be everything for you. And I think the kind of relationships that we tend to romanticize oftentimes or that we see romanticized in the media. And I mean, even by our, our parents or where we grow up and the environments in which we grow up, I think we're encouraged to sort of assume that we will go through life and find one person and that person will be everything. And so those are the relationships that you need to invest in and that friendships or non-romantic relationships are not as important. And I don't think that that's true. And also, I mean, there are a lot of people who aren't interested in pursuing romantic relationships or who don't experience romantic attraction. And I think that it would really discount their experiences if we assumed that romantic relationships were inherently more valuable than other types of relationships. Yeah, I think that's definitely, well, I think it's, it's complicated because I feel like a lot of the, a lot of our ideals about uh, monogamous relationships can be attributed to the nuclear family and just how society has developed or, um, in this version of our reality um and but like obviously there are like some cultures and some societies out there that um are do not like strictly adhere to monogamy and also have different ideas of what family or relationships romantic relationships um look like and can be um but i'm gonna ignore that and push further (laughs) And ask you to, if you think that your relationship to family members should be 
more or higher value than your relationship to friends. So like, I guess consider it as an ultimatum again, if you had to pick between your friends and your family. Wow, thanks, Dylan. Um, well, Dylan, you kind of probably know my answer. And this is probably bad to say, but my parents definitely don't listen to this. I'd probably choose friends over family. Um, but I think that goes along with the idea of like chosen family anyways, where like people are allowed to choose who's in their life and who's most valuable to them. One quote that I've always, I have memorized, which is just um, the blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the womb, which is just simply that the people who you choose to spend your time with, like those bonds are deeper than just the people you're genetically related to, which obviously that quote has been this remembered as blood is thicker than water and used to say that family's better but that's not what the original quote is the original quote is literally the exact opposite so thank you Aaron do you have a answer I don't know I again I think that there's value to both kinds of relationships and I I don't really have any desire to compare them because I think they are so different and I also think that to what Hope said because a lot of our relationships when it comes to friendships, those are chosen relationships and familial relationships don't tend to be chosen, um, at least oftentimes. I think, I wonder if the obligations that we have to friends or family are different. And if kind of in line with the question you're asking, Dylan, not just which is more valuable if you had to choose, because I don't really think I could choose. But I do wonder what you all think about the kind of obligations that we maintain to friends as opposed to family or just two chosen relations as opposed to relationships that we were born into or placed into. And are they different? And are some more intense? Do we have stronger obligations to chosen relations or familiar relations? This sounds very familiar to a previous episode of this podcast. Um, I personally think no. I don't know if no is a correct answer. <laughs> I feel like you don't have any obligations to anybody. But that being said, I don't think it's to say that you shouldn't have any. It's that you don't like there's nothing forcing you. To have those obligations right like there's nothing compelling you other than your own moral compass your own desire to care for others that urges you to to do anything for other people right like if you wanted to be completely selfish you probably could even it with the fact in mind that if you are completely selfish other people will probably not treat you the same way so you could be like a sophisticated egoist right and like there's not there's no one no one's going to punish you for that is is what i'm trying to get at now i'm not condoning that i'm not condoning that lifestyle i think i think we do and we should be obliged to other people i think we do owe it to our parents for taking care of us for two decades or more um to our friends for being kind and hanging out with us etc cetera, etc cetera. but there's nothing like 
about human nature or about relationships in themselves that I can think of that is innately compelling. I can't wait to march you into the philosophy department and declare (laughs) that you're a sophisticated egoist. I didn't say I didn't say I was. I'm saying people (laughs) can be. Okay. Listen, basically, I'm stating the obvious, Aaron. (laughs) Hope, do you have uh, anything? I think you owe more to people you choose to have relationships with then i mean this is what i kind of said earlier than people you don't i think if you choose to continue to have relationships with your family then you owe them like obligations but i don't think them by nature being your family members means you owe them something i think if you try and keep that relationship and build that relationship over time within your family then you owe them things but not necessarily any more or less than other people you choose to spend your time with, like friends or romantic partners. Um, And in Jordan, one time, another American student told me when I said, like, I wasn't probably going to help my parents out with, like, I wouldn't let them live at my house when they got older or something like that. I was like, yeah, I don't think I'd let them live at my house when I'm like, old and he was like you're what's wrong with america these days and i was like okay bro i don't really care um because he was like people don't care about their parents enough everyone's so selfish da, 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 da. but i don't think people being your parents or siblings makes them any more entitled to obligations than other people in your lives um and i think it's how you choose to develop those relationships Speaking on uh, relationships you choose to enter, that perfectly segues to my final ultimatum. I have more questions, but this is my final ultimatum that I thought of. Hypothetically, let's say you have a relationship with a dependent, so like a a child either adopted or birthed. Do you feel like that relationship is more valuable than your relationship to friends? Well, none of us have dependents. So. <laughs> I'm asking you to imagine hypothetically. I think, I don't know about more valuable. I mean, I'm sure like every parent says it is, um, but not in that situation. But definitely you have, I've been talking about obligations a lot. <laughs> you definitely have way more obligations to a dependent than anyone else in your life. Because beyond like feeding, clothing, housing them, You also need to make sure that they're like well-loved, well-cared for, et cetera, et cetera. If they're being a brat, like learning how to deal with that in not hostile way. And like, there's just so much more that you have to provide to them that you don't have to provide to other relationships. Meaningful, I don't know. But according to all parents everywhere, I guess so. (laughs) Yeah. No, I, I really like what Hope was saying about chosen relationships and the kind of obligations that we have in those circumstances. And I think that goes back to something that Dylan and I were talking about earlier at the start of this conversation in terms of the necessity of intentionality in a relationship and what it means for something to be an active relationship. And so 
one of the things that Hope said about familial relationships is that they have they might have value if you're making the active decision to maintain them. And I think I, I'm inclined to ag agree with that. And so when thinking about dependence and not merely our obligations, but also the value of that kind of relationship, I, I wonder if whether or not you chose to have a dependent makes a difference. Well, I think Hope would say it does, right? <laughs> well, so that's hard. There was um, an Am I the Asshole post the other day. I go on Am I the Asshole like so often, <laughs> like my guilty pleasure. And I just, I don't ever make posts saying like, you're the asshole, you're not the asshole. But then I read all the comments and typically I'm with the consensus and sometimes I'm not. But anyways, there was a recent post where someone's sister adopted like them and their two brothers I think it was um when they were fairly young and their sister was like 19 had to work three jobs to provide for them and basically their whole time growing up their sister would have such a short temper from being so stressed out working three jobs and like providing for these three kids that were not her own kids like they were her siblings that she would like pretty much always yell at them and so like one of the core memories of the person making the post was one time they spilled milk and they got yelled at like endlessly for doing so and they like still remember that and they still remember their sister always having such a short temper with them but now um they're older their sister has her own kid husband she's not working three jobs and they were at their house once and she watched her sister's daughter i guess her niece spill milk and at this point their sister was like practicing gentle parenting and so they were like really calm like oh it's okay and the person in the post ended up yelling at their sister being like why didn't you do that when I was younger and basically everyone in the comments was telling them that they were the asshole because their sister had it so tough that she was just doing her best she was so stressed out that like she literally didn't have the emotional capacity to do that when she was younger. But I kind of felt bad because it didn't mean they didn't at the same time impact trauma on the person who was posting. Like, yes, the daughter now doesn't deserve to be yelled at, but it doesn't change the fact that this person growing up was being yelled at so much. And so, but everyone automatically called them an asshole because that's how it goes with Am I the Asshole posts. And I was just thinking, I don't even remember what the original question was, <laughs> but I do think in that sort of situation, it seemed like people on the post would say that chosen family you have more obligations to. But since she was just taking her siblings in out of necessity and she didn't really choose it, like it was sort of like she was out of her own goodwill taking them in so they wouldn't go to foster homes. Like, she didn't owe them the same gentle parenting that she owed her own child, which I don't necessarily agree with, but I guess more people empathized with her because she didn't choose to have them than they would have if she had chosen to have those kids and then yelled at them. And so I just find that really interesting, because obviously the hand you're dealt is very different when it's not chosen. It is really interesting. I think... I'm thinking about it in the sense of like, 
I wonder if we have minimal obligations regardless of the kind of relationship. And I, that's such a convoluted idea because obviously we are only capable of doing so much. And something that came up a lot in a philosophy class that I took with Dylan this semester was, you know, does ought imply can, right? Do you have to be able to actually do something to have a moral obligation to do it? And when thinking about this case, you know, I don't know if she had an obligation to gentle parent this child that wasn't hers, but I think she might have had an obligation to at least minimally not react in a hostile way, even if, say, she didn't go a step further and use it as a teaching moment or whatever might have been appropriate in that circumstance. And I don't know. I think it's it's interesting to think about, especially because we often talk about human rights or rights-based arguments for what we owe each other. And I think if we have an understanding of human rights or something rooted in respect for the dignity of other persons, then I wonder if we then have certain minimal obligations when it comes to upholding that kind of respect that would be applicable in a case like this. I mean, I feel like to the situation obviously hope's explaining it to us secondhand so we don't have the exact wording of the author of the original source but i I would be i'm reluctant to apply what you said hope like i'm reluctant to apply that assumption onto everyone in the comments because me personally i also have the reaction that that the author doesn't i wouldn't say the author is the asshole but the author shouldn't yell at their sister just because their sister didn't treat them the same way people obviously change and grow and learn from their experiences and i think that this is a clear example of wanting to do better the second time around I don't think, like for me, I don't know if this is even a question of obligation necessarily. Um, I, I might even be tempted to argue that the sister did willingly make the decision to take her siblings on because, mm-hmm. like you mentioned, like they could have gone to foster care. So that that was an option. It's definitely not the ideal option perhaps but in a shitty situation you know there aren't there might not be an ideal situation so i feel like that argument about conscious decision making or like taking on dependence willingly is not convincing to me personally (laughs) but yeah i don't think i don't know if there is a right answer in difficult situations like that to close out one last question for you two. Uh, Hope and I watched The Banshees of Inisherin recently. Aaron, do you know what that is? No. So in this film, it's on HBO Max, it's about two friends in Ireland. <laughs> and one of them just arbitrarily one day decides that their friendship is over and they, have, they don't want anything to do with each other anymore. But the other friend is really confused. And so the, the whole movie is like him trying to win back their friendship. So my question to you two, and Aaron, you can start, is how do you end a relationship on purpose? How would you go about it? It's interesting. 
because framing it like that, I think, kind of changes my opinion on some of the things we were talking about earlier. I mean, maybe not. I think you can frame it in a way that that still is consistent with that. But we were talking about whether or not a relationship could be one-sided. And I think that the distinction we made earlier about the active part of a relationship and the passive part of a relationship being, say, the consequences or influences of that relationship that could outlast it and potentially persist as long as you're alive or beyond um, when it comes to your relationship with other people. I think that that distinction is important here because I think that the passive part of it will continue to persist even if you decide to end it. But I do think that two people need to consent to be in an active relationship of whatever the nature of the relationship may be. I think if one person decides that they no longer want to be in that relationship with someone in terms of putting in that kind of effort and time and energy, which is often an investment in the relationship itself. I think that that is completely reasonable as harmful as it can be. And obviously I haven't seen this, the show that you all watched. And so I don't know if I'm thinking about it correctly in the context of that show, but at least in terms of my understanding of what it means to be in a relationship with another person, I think that always needs to be consented to. Now, if it's a caretaker relationship with a recipient of care, it might be slightly different. But I think if we're thinking in terms of reciprocal relationships, I think it's fair to want to opt out Having seen the movie, and I don't know if this would have been my viewpoint beforehand, but I think it would have. I think, yes, it is fair to end a relationship. However, I do think it's tough because um, there's still the other person there. And I think you do still have obligations to them because you were friends, especially if you were like long term like been friends for a very long time to like explain why you're ending the relationship and to hear them out on their feelings about it because I know like personally my mother had a very close friend that she'd been friends with since like high school and I grew up like hanging out with her kids and everything and her friend literally ended their friendship with like a text one year and just never spoke to my mom again and that kind of like destroyed my mom (laughs) and she would like try and send like happy new year's texts or like merry christmas and the friend would just never respond and she was never really given much of an explanation beyond that one like paragraph long text um and she always wondered like if their relationship was like it was like a disagreement like a very small disagreement that my mom wasn't even involved in. It had to do with like my mom's friend sent her car to the shop where my dad works. He's an auto mechanic and he wasn't even the one who fixed their car, but apparently it wasn't fixed properly. And so then like whoever at the shop didn't fix it properly, she ended the relationship with my mom over that. Wow. (laughs) So like my mom wasn't even like a part of it my dad wasn't necessarily a part of it other than he worked at the same place as where it happened and my mom always wonders like if her relationship like years and years with this person she considered her best friend is only worth a car not being fixed properly (laughs) Mm. yeah 
And like, I do think if you have that sort of long-term relationship, you like owe it to the person to hear their side of the story and not just end it over like a text. And also like, I feel like you owe it to them to like try and understand. Like even if you end up deciding like you still want to end the relationship, I feel like you have to hear out their like, please like, can't we hang out like once a month or something? Because like, if you're like, oh, I'm too busy, I can't maintain this anymore. Or you say something else and the person's like, well, like, can't you pencil me in like once a year even? And you're like, no, I feel like it's, it's kind of hurts. Like there's, there's things you owe people that you've been with, that you've been friends with for a while. I don't know. It's really difficult because I do agree that there needs to be two sides to relationship. And it's definitely better to be upfront that you're ending the relationship than to just like kind of phase it out. But on the other side of things, there's still going to be someone who's really hurt (laughs) by the decision. See, I agree with you in the sense that like, I think in in a regular relationship, if it is a reciprocal relationship and it's healthy, then maybe there is something owed in terms of like trying to make it work, trying to find or trying to make an explanation or whatever that might be. There might be some obligations when it comes to how you end it if you are in a situation where you have to end it. I think I was thinking more in the sense of like abusive relationships where I think it's always fair to opt out. Mm-hmm. And so maybe the the nature of the relationship makes a difference. Yeah, I definitely agree. I would say in an abusive relationship, since the other person isn't fulfilling their obligations to you and like not harming you, I feel like that relationship's kind of like dead <laughs> to start with. I don't want to say like whoever's wronged first then gets the open letter to end it, but like I do feel like it's a completely different situation in that like it's not it's not safe to stay. Mm-hmm. So you don't really owe them anything because you have to prioritize your own health and well-being over your relationships with other people and in an abusive relationship that often means leaving the relationship you know what's interesting though is that i feel like we often have this conversation when it comes to romantic relationships and we say oh of course in the context of a romantic relationship like even though you might have obligations in the sense of how you opt out of it we expect that people can opt out of it and should if they don't want to be in it. But I feel like we don't have that same expectation when it comes to other types of relationships, like friendships or familial relationships. And I think that sometimes there might be reasons to opt out of those. Or do you think that they're completely distinct and that we have, I guess, more obligations? I mean, it comes back to that same question as earlier, if we have more obligations when it comes to different types of relationships. but is there a reason why we see it as more reprehensible a lot of the time to opt out of a friendship or a familial relationship? Um, Do you mean as compared to a romantic relationship? Yes. I think it does go back. Well, my, my initial thought is that it goes back to what Hope was saying about choice, right? Like you chose to enter the romantic relationship, but I guess that doesn't like that applies to families, right? Because you don't choose that. But then friends, um, it might seem a bit different. And I'm wondering if maybe it's about the stakes of the relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I, I personally, I think I would 
put friends and romantic relationships in one category and family in another category in terms of um, what is like more devastating. (laughs) I feel like, like all the stories you hear about parents disowning a child or the, the kids not speaking to their parents ever again, those are all very like emotionally charged experiences and the the reasoning for those those happening is always like pretty complicated because there's a lot of different things going into it whereas i feel like on on the whole for friendships well not okay not friendships is like in the middle for on the whole for relationships depending on how much you've invested it could be as easy as just like mutually being like oh yeah this isn't this isn't what either of us want. So let's just, you know, end things. And then obviously romantic relationships can end very drastically as well. But I feel like to me personally, it's not the same degree as family. I feel like the reason why, in my opinion, romantic relationships get a lot less grief. (laughs) I mean, not, I mean, grief, like in the metaphorical sense not in the like actual meaning of grief by other people when you end them is because the boundaries are more clear cut in romantic relationships I think like in a lot of people for monogamous relationships like one of the stipulations is like oh we're exclusive and that's like kind of laid out unless you have a conversation that's otherwise so like if someone cheats with cheats on you that's like and out where you can end the relationship and they might argue with you about it but like at the end of the day most people respect the decision that you left because of that or if xyz happens people will understand if you leave the relationship like oh we fell out of love with each other and people like okay yeah that makes sense why you'd end the relationship because one of the stipulations of being in a romantic relationship is that you guys have romantic feelings for each other or at least that's the ideal and so then But with friendships, I feel like what a friendship can be is so varied and there's like different levels of friendships where you're like closer with some people than others. And the boundaries, I think, can be a lot more blurry than with romantic relationships where like what's expected of a romantic relationship is often discussed by a lot of people early on into the relationship that when something happens that ends the friendship, it's harder to explain to other people why it happened because I feel like friendships are less normative as like a romantic relationship. I don't know if that makes sense. Erin, do you have any final comments before we (laughs) end this? Oh, well, I guess I just, I really appreciate this kind of conversation because I think that you know, as we've been saying, it seems as though our definition is not expansive and at least enough to accommodate the complexity of human relationships. And so I'm really glad we're talking about this because it's, you know, giving me a position to reflect upon the kinds of relationships I maintain with other people. And I think there is a lot of investigation that we need to do. And like, maybe we need to look into 
where the boundaries should be when it comes to both romantic and not romantic relationships and what our obligations are. So I think we definitely have a long way to go, but I'm excited that it's something that we're consistently learning about. And I think that's part of what it means to be alive. That sounds good. I'll be looking for your uh, published paper in a philosophical journal. Oh, <laughs> less than less than 20 pages, please. I, I don't have a long attention span for reading. <laughs> Um, And on that note, Hope, what do you think today's topic was? Um, I think it was about relationships. Uh, I mean, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It was, my original question was, when does a relationship end? Okay. So inspired by the Banshees of Finisharan? No, I came up with this long before we watched that. This has been in my idea list for like at least a year maybe two years well Aaron, i recommend the banshees of inner sharon i loved it i will definitely watch it for your request (laughs) i will say it's not for everyone anyway thanks for listening Aaron will join us for the next two episodes and uh we'll see you guys next week